Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg podcast, episode oh. 464. Mitch, on the other side of the Zoom, Charlie here with you. Hopefully, you're all staying cool in the first hot streak of Milwaukee. Uh, we have a great show today. We're going to talk about when different types of panic buttons that sports fans push uh, in honor of the Brewers. I know they're kicking ass tonight, but it, it has been a great month. Uh, so we'll talk about that. But the Brewers won't be the only team we discuss. No fan loves to push a fan button more than a Green Bay Packer fan. Uh, so we will discuss that, have some laughs, have some jokes. I'm going to hit Mitch with a couple of Brewer hypotheticals to walk through uh, when it comes to trading players. And then we will talk about the finals a little bit. Uh, if the Buck, the Warriors and Celtics make you feel worse or better about this Buck season. And yeah, that'll be today's show. So now we check in with our guy, Mitch Ross, aka Mitch Ross MKE on uh, the Twitter and Instagram. What's going on? Ah, just enjoying the Brewers finally having a, it's like, oh man, I almost had a morbid, morbid analogy, but <laughs> it's like when it, it, a monsoon season in the desert, it's like, yeah, I mean, so, it, it's, it's like two weeks of frustration are coming out on the Mets and I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, yeah, I, I am enjoying this. Couldn't uh, happen to a better team in a weird way. You, you kind of saw a little bit weirdly about with the nationals this weekend, like the Brewers offense over the weekend, wasn't that bad. I know that we were all upset about how they played against well, the Mets I mean, last night, but the pitching they, was, has been dog shit the last like, right. two times. The starting pitching has right. been a disaster. I mean, yeah. and, and that's, and that's going to happen when you're missing two all-stars um, right. in your starting rotation. Now the Mets are doing the same, but they're able to overcome somehow because, you know, Chris Bassett's probably barely in their rotation, but he looked like fucking Greg Maddox on, on yeah. Tuesday night. Um, you know, and I, I, I honestly, I, I know that tonight is, you know, Brewers are up 10-1 as we record this, possibly looking for more. Um, I, I, the Mets are really fucking good. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I have a hard time going all the way to like a World Series champion, but like, I don't know if it's like the Buck Showalter thing where like, you know, he's about as old school as it gets. The guy's just tough as nails, right. you know, type yeah. type of deal. Lunch pail, hard hat, like been managing since the, since like we were born. Right. And, um, but like they just, their at bats are just incredible. And like their, their like organizational philosophy. So I, I watched the, the visiting broadcast on, on Tuesday because of my, the, uh, the option that I have in front of me to watch these games that's, only I mean, provided that's a, like real quick. That's a great option. Cause like Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez are like one of the best broadcasting groups that you can get. Dude, they, like they, like you, you learn. And, and I think they're good in general, like probably better than what, I mean, it's New York, you know, right. um, it's a big market. They have good broadcasters, probably better than Milwaukee. Unfortunately, it's just a fact, but I feel like I learned a lot because they're they're not going to sugarcoat stuff for the brewers right like like you would get on a on a valley sports wisconsin broadcast mm-hmm. granted they're, they're talking to an audience that doesn't know but you know they were like look the organizational philosophy for the brewers is is different than what the mets is i mean and they're the way they're going to attack their at bat the brewers want to walk and hit home runs and um the mets want to make contact you know choke up and the Mets are like really fun to watch. I just think it's, it's kind yeah. of a kind of refreshing and, and, and they're, they're pitching. They're just fucking loaded. Like if they can, if they can get healthy. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, and, Edwin, and Edward Diaz has been as good as Josh Hader's been this year. Like, I mean, they have a good bull. They don't have as strong of a bullpen as the Brewers, but Diaz as their closer is as good as anybody. Well, right now. And, and half the battle, three quarters of the battle is getting to your winning bullpen, which the Brewers have done very little of right. in the last couple of weeks. Right, exactly. And you're still, like, not out of the woods yet. I mean, even if they win two out of three against the Mets, I think you chalk it up as impressive. And But if you go on and puke on your shoes against Cincinnati this weekend, it's kind of all for naught. And that's the funny mm-hmm. thing about baseball. 
Um, but if you end up winning two out of three or you sweep Cincinnati after doing that against the Mets, then we're talking about did has everything sort of changed? And it doesn't get any easier because you have the Cardinals and you have the Blue Jays and then you have the Tampa Bay Rays before you get a nice, soft Pittsburgh-Chicago-Pittsburgh sandwich. So if you can kind of figure out a way to get your shit together and kind of bring yourself back to even with the Cardinals, but after that series is over, you're feeling good. You're feeling really good. And they have to keep it going. And, and the Brewers were obviously the motivation behind the types of panic buttons, but I feel like we have a lot of fans that push a lot of panic buttons because everybody's good. You know what I mean? It's not like a situation like Detroit, right? Now, I mean, we've talked about different sports fans, but you know, the Tigers thought they were going to be good this year or thought at least they would contend, hang around until Lions training camp. And they suck. They absolutely stick. And I do think that's another level of panic button where it's like, oh, we're not going to be good again. This sucks. We're going to do the same thing we've done the last couple of years. And I think that's, that's a type of panic button, but for the Wisconsin sports teams, it's really about, you know, trying not to freak out that our, what we thought was a good team is not a good team. Well, and it's, it's also aided by some postseason failures. Uh, oh, totally. Specifically Brewers and, and Packers as, as of recently, I mean, the Bucks got it done last year. I don't, I don't think, you know, We've all come to terms with what happened with the Bucks, but I think the Brewers, the Brewers, like for the first time in a while, have like legitimate like World Series expectations for us. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if expectations have been higher in the last, probably not since 2011 this year. No. Um, um, and I even think in 2011, there was still like a uncertainty because the Brewers had done it. It was a first year manager. I don't, I think the expect you're right. The expectations are even higher. Therefore it's you're easier to push the panic button or get nervous that your team might not be very good. Yeah. And, and eight game losing streak and a, and a rough stretch is um, not good. You know, I mean, they've, they've, they've played some good teams. They, they haven't done as well as you'd like to see, but I don't know. I mean, it's really hard to have a perfect team and you're not yep. going to have a perfect season. I mean, the Yankees are having a perfect season. Um, they're on pace to win like 115 games, right. which is, you know, pretty incredible. I don't know. I, I, I mean, would you rather the Brewers struggle in September or struggle in June? You know, I mean, and I guess you could theoretically have both, but if, if you can sort of weather the storm here and hang around first place and have a competitive and, and, and add some pieces, which we'll talk about coming up here in the, later on in the podcast, you know, you might be all right. Um, but there's definitely, you know, the vibes aren't good outside of Wednesday night. I mean, but again, like I said, to lead off the podcast, I mean, that was, this is, seems like two weeks of frustration in one game. Now let's see if, see if they can, they can continue. Right. Yeah. It, it, and that's, I think, I think that's like, when is it safe to kind of pull, pull the hand off, right? If you've already pushed it and I, I know there are fans that have, right. People oh, yeah. that are calling into Tim's show and are like, these, these guys stink. This is a 500 baseball team. Well, we're never going to catch the Cardinals. Like, there are it's funny because it's funny there are guys out I, there right now are saying that. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I, I worked post game on Sunday when, when they finally won. Yeah. And uh it was just like such a such a council love fest. I mean that was sort of the the you know, the gist of our show was um because council tied the tied the record for right. club manager that wins and it was such a love fest and it's kinda like I mean, I don't know. They won. They've they've lost. You know, people are talking about going to the World Series, and that's the next step. And it's like, okay. I mean, we just beat an awful Nationals team. That finally, you know, that yeah. eventually you're you're going to run into one. Um, and 
you know, it just it just goes to show like the the, the reactionary nature, and it's it's really hard to be reactionary in baseball just because the season is so long. Like, there's there's a legitimate chance that we'd probably forget all we could forget all about this eight game losing streak two months from now. I mean, right. I mean, you you and I won't probably we'll probably be podcasting in August, being like, oh man, remember that fucking eight game losing streak? That was terrible. Yeah. But they could they could be twenty games above five hundred, you know, at that point and have a five game lead with the Cardinals nipping at their heels as they always do. But, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's really tough to be reactionary, but that, that's, that's how we are as fans. And that's, that's okay to some extent, but yeah. we're here to try to try to make people, um, see the light, I guess. Right. And I, I think that there is, you know, to your point about this, the long season, yeah, there are going to be rough stretches. You know, this is not football. And I think, I think because everybody's a Packer fan for the most part, I realize I'm painting a very broad brush, but everybody follows the Packers. Let's just put it that way. Maybe not everybody's a fan. Everybody follows the Packers here in Wisconsin. And that panic button, if they lose game one, it's like, we fucking suck. This is over. I mean, we remember the last season, right? Getting beat 35 to five, 35 to three. It was like everybody just was ready to run for the hills and throw dirt and everything's fucked. Trade Aaron Rodgers, the whole thing. And so I do think some of that Packer fanism, you know, basically hurts the the panic buttons because, and I think that happens with the Bucks. I, I, I think that people who are Packer fans let that shit bleed into an 82 game season or a 162 game season when they're really to your point needs to be some sort of like deep breathing and be like, all right, let's wait till the month of June is over. If they finish the month of June with eight or nine wins. Yeah. That's a fucking problem. That's a real issue. But if they finish and they're like, I don't know, four or five games under 500, is it really that bad? it kind of counteracts the hot April you have. It's just sort of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of thing. So like, I do think the Packer fans and a lot of people sometimes come out in these moments of needing to kind of hold your water. I do love that you, that you blame Packer fans for, for being so reactionary. <laughs> I mean, I, but am I wrong though? Like, I mean, like, no, you're not. And you're not. It's, it's, and, and this, it's, I mean, this is, this doesn't just have to be this this is like all football. This is like football is king. Like football has, I think, a lot to do with it because if you think about like even the Badgers, right? Like the panic button in college football is not really uh it's like you want it done. Like you lose a game and it's like we're over. But I yeah, think I mean, the but oh, I was gonna say that the, the the finger is on the. It's the, yeah. the nuclear button. I mean, <laughs> all all season. If if you're, you know, is okay. Well, this is a, a tangent a little bit, but it's like, oh, that's is, fine. It, it, is Wisconsin Badger football like? Are you? Do you really think they're going to win the national championship? No, I think I mean, you. No, like I I think I, if you're if you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, if you're uh, who am I missing? I mean, probably USC this year. Nah, um, yeah, USC you know, this year. I'm, I'm talking. Past, I'm yes. talking here, right? Not in the past, but I'm talking. Ohio I'm talking State. You're, 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 yeah, Ohio State. Thank you. Um, yes. You know, you're you're five, maybe Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Because, yeah. Um, you know, you're you're true football blue bloods. You have your finger on the panic button. You lose a game, unless you're Alabama. You sometimes find your way in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, immediately. Alabama does typically get a get a mulligan, oh. but um, you know, certainly like Ohio State, Georgia, like those teams. If you lose, you're done. Badgers, yeah. I mean, it, it would be very Badgers this year to go to Ohio State and win and then lose to fucking Illinois two weeks later or something. like. Yeah, or stub, it, your, it just, toe, stub your toe against Northwestern on the road, um, which they've done in the past. Northwestern's going to be bad this year. Though, right. though, so like, I mean, so yeah. my, my point is the Badgers are never, ever, ever going to win a national championship in football. You can print it. Maybe basketball. Um but that 2015 run is, I mean, a dream. And, and, and I don't know if that'll ever happen again. I, just right. because of the NIL stuff and like, totally. I mean, well, right. It, the Badgers, but, I mean, and that's a whole, I mean, that NIL is a whole other topic because I think yes. both Wisconsin and Marquette have sort of dragged their feet on it. And I think they've done a pretty shitty job 
of developing something in place. And I think well, it's I think it's just sort of folksy <clears throat> Wisconsin type bullshit that they're yeah. not thinking well, they're not thinking with their you know their money brain. They don't have the Nolan Murphy icy green faces sort of attitude here. Like they have it's like, oh shucks, they'll they'll come to Wisconsin. They're a big ass lineman. Of course they're gonna come to Wisconsin. You know, why not? Well why wouldn't you and I think Wisconsin? that I think that 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 maybe doesn't play that well with the uh with the fan base, totally. if you will. Um asking for money like pulling a Ryan Day. Yeah. Um which I, I think has certainly been undercovered in, in national sports landscape. I think I don't know. I don't really watch that much ESPN in the morning. I'm usually, you know, no, stuff, I, I think hard, hard I mean to, I mean but, look, man, they were talking about Anthony Davis on a fucking in the middle of June. It's like what are, you know, yeah. what are we doing here? Well, like, I mean my, my, my point is, and we're, we're way off on a tangent, but my totally. point with the NIL is like, you know, Ryan Day is asking uh, boosters and, and donors and supporters and sponsors and yada, yada, yada for like, hey, we need we need 15 million like right now to, to compete with. And it's like, where where does that like, where does that end? Like, what, what's the, you know, where does it end? So like, kind of put a bow on it. It's it's going to figure itself out because the return on investment is going to be so marginal for these guys and there's going to be busts and people are going to lose a lot of money. And I also think, I don't think what anyone's talking about is do they have accounts that are making sure these guys file taxes on this type of shit? Like when are we going to get the first, like, Hey, uh, yeah. So-and-so evaded his taxes, didn't pay taxes on his NIL stuff. I will, I, I will go, like eat, not even even odds. Like Vegas will not take my money. That that's a story next year. Uh, that's probably a story before the season starts. Yeah, I would be. I mean, it's like, it's just I don't know. I, it's a mess. I I think it was an overcorrection to the absurdity that was college football for a long time, and now they'll right size it and figure it out. But back to yes, the panic buttons, man. It's just like. I think we sometimes are so quick to be like, yeah, this team stinks. This team isn't that good. Um, I do think that happens a lot with, you know, if you kind of start off slow, it's just this assumption that you're just not, you're not a good team or like go back to college football. If the Badgers were to squeak one out against the team, they shouldn't. And everyone's like, Oh, they're not good. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Like you can have bad games. Like it's allowed. Like it's the same with the Packers. If, you know, they Bears week two, they let the Bears hang around. People will be like, oh, they're so screwed for Tampa Bay. And it's like, are they? I mean, it's early in the season. How do you know? And I think that's when the panic button gets ridiculous is the early part of the season. So I think with the Brewers going all the way back, it's it's still too early to really be like, hey, this team, this team stinks or this team's a 500 baseball team. I just... I can't really, I can't really get to that point. Even if, let's say, they lose to the Mets again on Thursday. Yeah, it's just it's tough because they're so banged up. They're starting to get healthy, but right. you know, Woodruff has been out for I think longer than right. You know, the, the ten day for sure. Yeah, you know, I think we're at fifteen days probably that he's right. been he's been out. So, you know, we've missed three starts of his probably, and he. Frankly, I have a little secret. He was he sucked this year too until he got hurt. So well, I, I, I think he had a couple better starts. Before I think he got hurt, that but. so I think that Reynard syndrome fucked him up for the entire year. That I think be. so, and that's you know something with his nerves. And I guess there were certain types of pitches that he couldn't throw. And according to Kurt Hogg, he was throwing. He threw like forty pitches yesterday. I think, um, kind of figuring that those out. And if you remember, his first start this season was in old Chicago. And apparently, I was looking on Reddit, I think, of when this happened, apparent or like when it was announced. And apparently with this syndrome, it affects you more in cold weather. And Woodruff was awful in that game. Remember how bad he was? Yeah. That was like that Saturday afternoon game. So yeah. and it was a cold, cold like Chicago day. So like that worries me in the future if he can't like figure this out or it doesn't get better. But I mean, these, these doctors are world-class. There are other doctors who can help out and figure out what needs to happen. How do you basically relax these muscles as a pitcher? 
And who knows? And hopefully it's not something where Brandon Wood's just going to have to fuck with this for all season. But it, it might yeah. be in that, again, well, throws another wrench in your season where it's like, how can you really push a panic button on this version of the Brewers? This is not – if the Brewers were fully healthy and they lost eight straight games, I think we'd be a lot more worried than we are right now. Yeah, and going back to Woodruff, I mean – it you know that's one of those things where there probably is no surgery or something it's just like it's something that affects you and it, and it's not that he probably can't throw it's that he can't throw well and can't locate his pitches i mean which is which is everything in the big leagues i mean you know yeah he throws 97 98 99 but major league hitters can for the most part catch up to that and you have to be able to locate and mix speeds and stuff like that and if you you're not able to, you know, as somebody who played a, quite a bit of baseball growing up and, and I, you know, when you play in little league and up into high school, like you, you probably played every position at some point. And it's like, I pitched a little bit and it's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's a full body thing all the way down to your fingertips and your fingertips are like super important. I mean, it's, it's how you grip the ball. It's how you, it's how you throw different pitches. And if you can't, if you're not getting anything on your fastball or you're not, it's not feeling right. I mean, you're kind of kind of screwed, and it, it is one of those things probably that that can linger. And I, I don't know what the, I haven't researched it as much probably as you have, but I don't know what the treatment is. But I can't imagine it's more than just like rest and, um, you know, maybe Theragun or stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, probably just, just, probably a lot of stress massages. Try yeah, yeah just basically trying to trying to loosen up your hands and get your hands feeling comfortable and it might be something he has to continue to deal with. And he just sort of starts to like deal with it. And like, how do you deal? Well, how, yeah, go ahead. It's a nerve thing, not really a muscle thing. Right. So I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, maybe there is a surgery for it, but you'd like to not maybe do it right now if possible. Cause then, then maybe your season is over, but um, if there is no option, I don't know. We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but I'm just saying that, if if he's not feeling right, that's that's not something that you can just I don't know. It's not like oh I'm good, you know what I mean? Like it's right. it, it it might come and go, um, you know. Like I'm sure you've heard of dead arm. I mean I feel like that's that's the same thing where it's like where you, it's not necessarily an injury. It's just that like you feel you don't you don't feel like you can throw, and um, or you don't feel like throwing for a couple weeks or something and. I don't know. It's so, uh, interesting. So, he, so here's what, here's what the, what Raynard, the, they call it the Raynard phenomenon technically is. It's a problem that causes decreased blood flow to the fingers. In some case, less blood flow to the ears, toes, nipples, knees, nose happens when spasms of blood vessels in those areas the spasms like they're in response to cold, stress, or emotional upset. So um, stress and emotional upset are two things that like you have to deal with as a pitcher. Like those, those yeah. are not things that like you don't deal with on a regular basis. And I know what's going to be great is if Woodruff comes back and struggles, they're going to be the tinfoil hat people that blame the COVID vaccine for this. Because that's out there. If you really want to get deep, like that is that's very tinfoil. I'm not endorsing this, but there are some that feel like that's why there have been because <laughs> Beaver has the same thing. I don't think Beaver is going to play a Summerfest show. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I don't. Did he cancel it officially or not? I, I don't. I don't know if he canceled officially, but I, I wouldn't expect it. No, and so yeah, <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Hits keep, uh, hits keep coming with Summerfest, man. Talk about a guy, guys that can't get a break. Like, Summerfest just feels like they always get shit on. Like, I was thinking about this weather the, for the last three days, and I don't want to tangent to weather because you and I are kings of talking about weather. But, like, if they, this was Summerfest, by the way, it's, like, perfect. It is ideal. Maybe a little hot. But they love this shit, and they didn't get any of it. So you're never going to get this. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Panic buttons were, I'm not sure if that was our best subject, but it's fun. I, I had a good time with it. And uh, we'll move on to hypotheticals because I have them for you. Um, 
I'm excited to talk about Brewer Trade Talk. Uh, the Brewers are what ESPN considered likely to be buyers. Um, they didn't say definitely. They put them in the likely category. They now put them in the either or. I kind of thought maybe they would go to the either or, but I guess when you play in such a dog shit division that you're always going to kind of be involved. I do think the National League, one of the things we didn't touch on in the first part, but like the National League is really good. The Brewers are in the AL right now. They'd be the third best team. I'm not record-wise. I'm just saying talent-wise. Like, it's the Yankees, the Astros, and it's everybody else. Like, I don't know. The Rays have been up and down. The Red Sox are heating up. I mean, the AL East, I guess, is good. But everyone in the AL Central sucks right now. And the AL West also is dog shit. So, it's like, I don't know. And that well, puts, but but because because they added the extra wild card, you know, oh, all totally. your all your John Hammonds of the world think that you know everyone's going to load up and run make a race for that. And it, it it is early, but I was just looking. I mean, Pirates have lost nine in a row, and they they're still in third place. Like, how fucking bad is the Cubs? Dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> Cubs Cubs have good starters. They just have a shit bullpen. I mean, they had a the, Red, the Cubs are about to get caught by the Reds. Remember when the Reds were three and twenty two? They're about to, they're about to no, the Reds. The I mean, the Reds are unfortunately the Reds are playing good baseball. The Brewers have um, they lost today, but they're they're playing good baseball. They're the Red and they have the Reds on Friday. Uh, Hunter it, Green, it, who's who's on the mound for Friday, has been just a phenom all of a sudden. Right, sort of finally, yeah, kind of uh, Yeah, I exactly. mean, he's top. It's been it's been a really really bizarre like first two months of the baseball season. Yeah, I mean, it seems like every team right now is either just been awful or just been great yeah like you have the braves and the phillies who are just can't lose the mets have been great you know i guess six and four in their last 10 but they're still damn they're 20 games above 500 right. you know cardinals are doing cardinals things brewers have been you know pretty bad as we've noted pirates cubs horrible reds have been white you know, socks, reds couldn't complete, play complete red, ass yeah reds couldn't have played worse so of course law of averages they're they're gonna win you know 60 yeah. games so, somewhere um, but yeah, it's like, you know, and then, you know, of course the league has their, has their cash cows at, at the top. Oh, Twins I mean, being good is, is kind of weird. Um, but angels falling apart. I yeah. Mean, it's just, it's just been a weird, weird to start. The, the Joe, season. the Joe Madden Mohawk story is a tough one for Joe. Like the fact yeah. that he, he was going to switch the momentum up. And then he gets fired before he can even show the Mohawk off is like big time Michael Scott energy. Like that's just the move where you're like, all right, gonna shake it up, got a Mohawk going, and then he gets fired. So, yeah, but anyways, so for the Brewers, I think really obviously it's going to be offense, especially as Tyrone Taylor has kind of sagged and. You know, the offense has been still less than stellar. Now, if Woodruff struggles, I do wonder if a pitcher is in their future. But they there's really not great pitching options readily available. It's pretty bare after Frankie Montes. And they don't have the prospects for Frankie Montes. I would love Frankie Montes, but I would argue, like, if, unless the Stearns looks at it like I could get so uh, let's just I'll open it up with that hypothetical. If they don't have Woodruff or Peralta and they suddenly decide to be a player in the Montes deal and Stearns' logic is, hey, I can trade this guy next year. Or I can trade another one of our arms the following year and basically flip him the, fo- the following year and get assets back. Do you think there's at all the Brewers think about Frankie Montes barring Woodruff's not able to come back? I'd like to think so. Um, yeah, I think he should be on the table. I agree. I mean, you know, I, I don't know where the Brewers' prospects sort of sit in the grand scheme. I don't know what their what their farm system is ranked by MLB Pipeline. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think it's that great. Um, I, I, I would hate to trade Sal Freelich after just drafting him, what, last year? Right. But, I mean, it does happen. Yeah. Uh, 
I think but, you're, I think you could probably sell Hira off to the A's, and you know oh, yeah. they, they you could sell Hira, you could sell maybe even I don't I would not want to give up Tyrone Taylor, but you could sell guys who could play tomorrow for Oakland, and you could also look at guys who are just starting. I think the only guy that's really off the table for the Brewers, no matter what, is Jackson Torino, who you don't want to be the next. Fernando Tatis, basically, where this White Sox traded away Tatis for James Shields. Now, granted, Tatis is a little younger than Trino, but like Trino is, I mean, he could be the number one prospect in baseball at some point, which is crazy. And if you guys are do not know Jackson Trino, I, I do not. You I was, was going to oh, say, pardon me, but I have no idea. No, no Mitch, you got to check him out. Playing for the Mudcats right now. He's 18, Venezuelan. He is an absolute fucking stud is a complete no trade. Like you hang up the phone. But yeah, I, I think that they would throw themselves into the Montes deal. Like I, I think you have to have a discussion about him because he's the type of guy where you look at it and you're like, all right, is this something real? I don't want them to go back to the well with certain guys. Like I don't want them to trade for like Jordan fucking Lyles. All right. Like I think that this is a, you need to, I don't even want to say a splash, but you need to look at guys who could really help you. Like Michael Pineda is another guy who's a free agent next year on the Tigers. That to me is a real possibility. Maybe even try to package it with a former out of the bullpen who's really good and, and look at that as a, as a potential opportunity. I mean, they also uh, mentioned that the, that the Brewers should look at Ramon Lorraino from the A's as well another guy who I think could really help, you know, shore up some defense. And basically that that's your swan song for Lorenzo Cain, which is a really tough thing to do, but let's be honest, Lorenzo Cain is hurting the Brewers more than he's helping the Brewers at this point. I mean, Ramon Laureano would be, would be tremendous. Uh, obviously between him and Hunter, you have probably the two best outfield arms in the league between yeah. him and Renfro. Yeah. Your um, defense would be incredible. And then you maybe think about putting Yelich at DH. Yeah, you could. And yeah, you could. I mean, I think I think that um, my grandma maybe has a better arm than Christian Yelich. I mean, oh. it's fucking. It, it just it it when he throws, it looks painful. I mean, it's 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 almost as bad as Chris Davis. Um, maybe I don't know. I don't want to go that far. Chris Davis is probably the worst arm I've ever seen. Chris Davis's arm is embarrassing, but Yelich is like he just throws like he, he like he can't. Um, yeah, so anyway, I mean, I, I mean, it, Loriano would be great. Uh, I'd be down with Frankie Montas, but you know, it's a big starting pitching at, at this point. Um, I mean, we're what six weeks from the deadline. Yeah. Um, you know, at this point, I think I I hold off on starting pitching. For, for the most part, I, I guess you can never have enough pitching, but um, I think you got to look at offense. I mean, I don't know. We haven't really touched on getting a big bat like a Nelson Cruz or a Josh Bell. Yeah, I mean, Josh Bell, I do think Josh Bell is a is a guy that makes a ton of sense with the way he just doesn't strike out. To me, Josh Bell can balance out your offense a little bit. Roy Telez, while he had an awesome April, he's, I mean, he's still hitting 250. It's not been terrible, but there is on the team. He's not, yeah, he's not that that consistent. Like it doesn't feel like he's a 250 hitter. Um, and so yeah, maybe Bell becomes more of a DH and kind of reorganize the deck. Um, because yeah, that's the only problem is yeah, Telez is taking up that spot. But could you, you know, find other positions and get creative? I think Bell played a little bit of outfield. I don't know how good how good he is out there, yeah. but but you know, maybe that's, that's a look. And I guess the question too is like, Bell's a switch hitter, right? It's not just a left-hander. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you have that. Option we haven't had a switch well. hitter and fucking, we haven't had a switch hitter since Felipe Lopez. Yeah. I don't know. It's been, it's been a while. Um, I'm trying to think of other iconic switch hitters. For I mean, just, just, just for, just for the aesthetic of a switch yeah. hitter. I, yeah. I know it's not the, it's not the be all end all, but, pretty nice to have um, what 
what are your what are your Andrew Benintendi thoughts? I mean, he's hit 300, another contact hitter that you could probably put play, a little playoff experience to. Um, definitely another good good arm outfield arm. Like I, I would be okay with betting biceps joining the team. Uh, I guess I see. I do see his stats here. I I didn't know. I didn't know if he was. I mean, the Royals are garbage. I mean, you know. If, yeah. They want to give us Sal Perez. I will take Sal Perez. I mean, don't you don't have to ask. I will gladly yeah, take I mean, Sal Perez as our catcher. Do you do you include Narvaez in that deal, or would yeah, you try probably. to keep him as yeah. a as a backup? I, I'm kind of talking on my ass, but yes, I I would I would definitely include Narvaez. Yeah, well, Salvador Perez is like their that's like their Yadier Molina. Oh yeah, I don't think they would trade Salvador Perez. I think they would be. I think Sal I mean, is a is a royal for life unless he tells the Royals like, "Hey, look, I want a, one more run at like the big top, and I want to another I wanna another do. another another trophy." Right. Exactly. Uh, so because yeah, because he already won one, so I mean, it's kind of one of those things. I mean, yeah. I, I'd be down for Ben Benintendi, but then you you probably would have to put Yelich at DH. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, maybe the Benintendi thing, you could trade, you you know, eat a bunch of his contract and give them back Lorenzo Kane. Then Lorenzo Kane has a swung song in Kansas City. Sells some tickets. Yeah. Kane announces his retirement. I don't I don't hate that. I um, mean, you're trading you're trading prospects with him. No, I yeah, yeah. You're not getting you're not getting Benintendi for Lorenzo Kane. Like that's like that that's one thing about like the Hunter Renfro trade that I don't I don't know if people realize, but we, we did trade a couple prospects with, with Jackie Bradley Jr. It wasn't like it was a straight yeah. up trade. I, I don't know. If, right. I don't know if people, I know they were, they were low level, like a ball guy. Alex right. Adel from Oak Creek. Yeah. There, yeah, there are a couple lottery tickets. So kid from Oak Creek was bad. I wouldn't say he's a lottery ticket at this point, but yeah, it, it's definitely, definitely wasn't just Jackie. That's a very astute point to make. So can I flip this a little bit? So let's just, I don't want to say that the Brewers continue to struggle, but let's throw it out there. How much Josh Hader buzz do you think will start? Like it, will there be legitimate, like, Hey, let's think about trading this guy year and a half left on his deal. You know, do you know, and the Brewers would get a fucking haul. It would be an ungodly, like, you know, think about the Padres. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't, you know, you, you think the Padres would want him? Yeah, I do. I think that they're, I definitely think the Padres would want him. I think the mm-hmm. Dodgers would want him. I think, I literally think every team in baseball would want Josh Hader. If they, I, if it was, I personally, I wouldn't trade him to the Dodgers because fuck that. Yeah. They have everything uh, I else. Feel, they they yeah. don't, I have thought about that. Like, oh, they, they let Kenley Jansen walk just so they have, have to have a closer spot open when, Hater hits the market in two years. Um, I'm sure as hell not trading him to the Dodgers. I mean, that's that would be Dodgers, I, are, Dodgers are one of our bigger rivals. It, it that would be stupid, pretty. But like, I agree. I agree with what you're saying here. I think it would be pretty pathetic to trade him. It would be on the same level of trading him to the Cardinals. It, it just would be right. You're at, you're not trading him to like, the division. If he goes, if, if there's an if there's an American League team that comes on. I don't, I don't, I would be, Chuck, I'd be fucking floored if they traded him. I season, would too. I'm just saying, regardless. Like you're, yeah, yeah I, I even think if you're, I just was curious. I wanted to temperature check it. I, I'll be honest. I didn't believe it myself. Basically because oh, the NL Central is bad enough that you could turn a corner and have one hot month and be right back into it. Like, I know St. Louis is playing For well, sure. but they're not even though they're getting guys back and clarity came back today, like they're, they're definitely not necessarily going to be this juggernaut and be like, put that out central out of reach by the deadline. There's no way. There's no way possible. I mean, look, if they're, if we get to a month from now, we get to my birthday, July 8th. South. And, or, I mean, I guess let's let's two weeks out from the deadline. Yeah. And they're fucking, they're like, and they're 10 games under 500. Somehow, I mean, I would think about it. I just, I don't know if Mark Adonacio is actually doing it. Well, here's now if you really want to get crazy, if you really want to get fucking wild, you 
maybe take a little less of a package. You say, okay, we'll give you a hater, but you have to take Christian Yelich back too. Uh. And <laughs> I, look, look, man. Uh, that's great. I, I, you free up a ton of money for all these pitchers you got to pay. And yeah, it, no, I know. And, and some team, like if the Dodgers would do that, if the Dodgers would say, all right, we'll take on Yelich. I might have to. I might have to think about it. I would have to at least have a conversation. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but I'd at least have to have a conversation. Um, also, because, conveniently, I think I think the Dodgers, like left field, is like their one position where there isn't some there, where there isn't an all star. Right. So yeah, it's Chris like, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. He's a cocksucker, but I mean, oh, yeah. he's not an all star. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolute C word. I hate Chris Taylor. I will always hate Chris Taylor. Like there's nothing about yeah. Chris Taylor that I that I like. Um, he sucks. Just I will yeah. never forgive him for Game Seven and that catch that he made because that was a oh. absolutely impossible fucking catch. Right. Yeah, but it yeah. has like literally eight years under contract. Oh, I know. It's an impossible. I, like, I'm just trying to think. Like Stanton, that happened with Stanton with the Yankees. Right. Where they just. Where Stanton took, you know, signed a huge contract with the Marlins that the Marlins, probably everyone in baseball knew they were never going to, you know, he was going to be dealt by the end of that contract. But did you really think like the next season <laughs> it would happen? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're getting pretty morbid here. Yeah. Uh, that's, you're, no, you're talking. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll come back. We'll come back. Uh to that yes i think as, Brewers... as much as like as much as we all bitch about yelich and you know i think he still is a fan favorite i think everybody wants him to do well right i mean we haven't we haven't hit the point of apathy you know i think we're far away from that but um you know and going back to, to panic buttons like at least yeah at least you're pressing the panic button yeah. i mean go, yeah. go back to two, go back to 2012 milwaukee bucks right i mean oh, nobody yeah. gave a fuck Right, you would you would completely you, if you punted if you did that it would be a big fuck you to a lot of people and yeah. I don't see the Brewers doing that. Um, it was just more of a fun exercise. So I call it hypotheticals, man. I wanted to well, want to have the hypothetical but again, conversation. I mean, to bring up the Marlins, I mean they're they fire they've made several fire sales and they have two fucking World Series in I twenty years, so stupid or thirty years, Stupidest and thing. and we have none because and, we do shit like. Right, because we because we're too nice. Right, exactly, you know? exactly. We, we we fuck around with you know uh, assets, and they're they're nothing. And then I'm, Tampa, I'll Bay, be Tampa Bay just tied it. Tampa Bay scored two goals in like thirty seconds. Sorry oh, to interrupt, but <laughs> uh, well, and then I'll look forward to Jazz Chisholm being a being a Dodger in like three years. You know, and that's yeah, just that, how it goes. that dude's that dude's pretty fun. I love that guy. I think it's great. The Philly Fanatic traveling video yesterday, if you guys didn't see it, was did you see that? Uh I did not know. He does like a basketball celebration, you know, when he hits a homer. Like and it's like a Euro stop and a gather stop there. And the fanatic told him he was traveling on his uh on his home run shot, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Philly nice. Fanatic still plays. Like Philly Fanatic is high my mascot power rankings. Like, I think some people yeah. think he's overdone, but Fanatic just he's a goofy fucker. I like I just like like how he looks. I, I like it. I like the cut of his jive. Like I think Gritty tries too hard on the, the Flyers. I think Gritty is a fucking tryhard for a mascot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we like Bango, but. I mean, he's he's pretty plain Jane, you know. He's not. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bango, Bango's definitely not a sexy mascot at all. Like, yeah. I you don't get a ton of fun stuff from Bango. Like, Bango doesn't let his hair down like Benny the Bull. Like, give right. Chicago some credit. Like, not only do they have Benny the Bull, I, I don't know what's the, what's the name of the the Bears mascot. He's he's entertaining too. No cool. Like when uh, he had the double doink reaction. Is an all-time mascot reaction. <laughs> well, I was gonna say like the, the the cool thing about Philly fanatic is like it's not. I don't know what the hell it is, you know. And like the, those are those are the those are the good mascots because oh yeah, 
my guy big like my guy my my guy big red from the west western kentucky is all time on that because like big red if i feel like if i was single and i was the big red mascot i feel like that at least gets you laid at least once you know what i mean like you're just like hey i'm big I know red. I, no i don't actually <laughs> well the bears uh, mascot the bears mascot is named Stan, staley the bear uh, after um the, uh, the Chicago Staley's. Also well, asked on the, Google, did the Chicago Bears ever have a real mascot? They actually had several real bear mascots, Mitch, early 20th century, and one tragic ending in January j- January 1916. So does that mean the bear ate somebody or they killed the bear? I don't know. I'll have to dig into that more. Well, the best, the best mascots are the ones that you don't like that don't – I guess it's easier for, for – uh, team names that aren't necessarily an animal, right? Like Stuff the Magic Dragon. Oh, I love cool Stuff. One. Big Stuff fan. Stuff is Stuff's a great, great mascot. The bear for the Jazz. What's the name of the Jazz Bear? I like the Jazz Bear. I don't remember. Don't uh, the Don't the Suns have a Don't the Suns have a gorilla or a yes or a, yes a the Phoenix Gorilla. Cool. The Phoenix Gorilla is great. Jazz Bear is just called Jazz Bear. Um, fun fact there. So, um. And apparently, Jazz Bear got the, the mascot of the year got fired back in 2018. So after before his 24th fifth season, didn't know we had some Jazz Bear controversy. I could oh, do give a me fucking... some Jazz Bear news. <laughs> the Nuggets mascot also good, Rocky. Um, yeah, this is great. I I, I could go. I could do a, a whole mascot show. Uh, maybe we will. But anyways, lastly on the finals, game six tonight. Could be a coronation for the Warriors. It could be the Celtics forcing yet another game seven. I feel like the Celtic fan energy, you want to talk about panic buttons. That's a different kind of panic button where it's like, oh, we might lose this playoff series. That's panic mm-hmm. buttons been pushed by the Boston faithful. Uh, does it make you feel better or worse about where the, how the Bucks finished? You know, the Middleton injury, everything like that, watching this series as intently as you have. Or is it kind of just you still feel the same way you did when the series tipped off a couple Thursdays ago? Um, well, it just shows you that it's a roller coaster ride. Um, yeah. No matter what, because I think after game one, we all thought, you know, wow, uh, you know, it, Boston, God, they can't miss. And now, like in the last four games, their their role players have all disappeared. I don't. I think it make, makes me feel better just because what I've seen, you know, because you know Boston, the role players have disappeared, and for Golden State, it's kind of been a one man show, a la the Bucks, where it's you know, yep. Giannis is Curry, and it's just he's got to do everything, and um, you know, I guess he Clay had a decent game in what game five, right? I mean, to, well, Wiggins, to make up Wiggins for Wiggins was the story. Wiggins was the game five story. True, I mean, and I do have some Wiggins thoughts because he's kind of been getting slurped, you know. The last, yeah. obviously, the last really this whole series. April and, Jordan, uh, it's been you know, back. I think, I think, I think he's frankly, I think he's the same player as he was in Minnesota. It's just that when you're not expected to be a you know the franchise player or turn a, turn a team around, you know the bar kind of gets a little lower and you know, when you get something, you know, the guy's not horrible. He just is extremely inconsistent like a lot of players, you know, and um, you know, when you're, when you expect, when you only have, when you have to be maybe, you know, to call him their fourth best player, I guess for in like the hierarchy of things in that organization, he is the fourth most important player. Yes. So, you know, he's got no pressure. And I mean, what do you expect? Like the guy, the guy is, you know, super athletic and, you know, he's a decent shooter when he's fucking wide open all the time and he can, he can get by people. And he's a, like, I mean, I like, I guess he's to me, he's the same player. I mean, maybe he grabs a few more rebounds, tries a little harder because he's not in Minnesota, but I, I mean, I just said that that's his personality and it's, it's a, it's a, you know, not everybody's a, a one on a championship team. 
Sure. I mean, there's probably, probably about five of those guys in the NBA. I don't even think Jason Tatum is, as much as everybody wants to crown his ass. Tobias Harris for better marketing, as I saw on Reddit. Well, um, I'm, not, I'm not making a joke here. I'm just, just I'm just telling you what, what the fucking truth is. I know. I mean, um, Ray, hey, I, I got news for you. Ray Allen was never a number one on a championship team. No. I mean, we You're know right. that here. And, You're right. you know, as much as we love him, trading him at some point may have been the move, but I mean, it was a dog shit trade. You know, yes. it wasn't the right trade, but, um, you know, he probably wasn't going to win one here. So, I mean, fine. It's fair. Very... I, I don't think, I don't think Boston's at that point. I mean, they're, they're going to ride it out with him for a while, but I mean, don't be surprised. The guy's just, he's just too, too inconsistent. I mean, that's, that, that's the, that's the difference between Giannis and Tatum. Yeah, Giannis is, is is just is the Terminator. I mean, and you know he's going to get thirty points every game, and right. maybe it's the it's the, the style of play and the high percentage shots, but you know they're gonna. I mean, they're. I mean, then again, I did just watch Jason Tatum score forty five points in a in a, a huge fucking game six for them Look, in Milwaukee. I mean, the fact is, is if the Bucks they're get... gonna need they're gonna need that guy or they're not winning. Right, that guy has to come out in Game Six, and like I think, I think his age is affecting him. I mean, we talked about this back in 2019 when Giannis loses Toronto, and I wouldn't say we were making an excuse, but we were like, this is the progression of an NBA athlete. Usually, they lose, yeah. they bump their head a couple times, and then they find they finally hit the mountain. Now Tatum has has sort of expedited this partly due to his age, partly due to the success that Boston has had really from the jump of his career. And, you know, maybe he's just not ready for this and maybe in two or three years he is, but I will say this, Boston will feel a lot worse if they don't win the title than we did for the last month, month and a half. Because the Celtic fans yeah. and the Celtic team are going to look at this and say, all right, guess what? We didn't have to play a healthy Bucks team. Next year, we'll probably, as long as things stay, you know, you never know. But odds are we have, a, we have to face a healthy Bucks team and we have to get through a Giannis-Middleton-Holiday group that will have a lot of piss in their Cheerios, which they didn't have that the, the year prior. And those guys yeah. aren't going away anytime soon. Yeah, and you so gotta. I, think- I mean, it just it like people can say what they want about the Bucks and the injuries and stuff like that they saw last year. You know, Boston kind of had some similar breaks this year, and it just goes to show you that. I mean, first of all, you can put an asterisk on every championship ever, ever in sports, yeah. and um, you have to take advantage of the opportunity. And you're right. I mean, Boston. You know, Boston's facing a Golden State team who's very good and i would not want to face steph curry no but they're not they're not what they were three years ago no Um, no they they have no they have no size like i just don't i don't understand like there's no post movement like that was the i was at uh, my rehearsal dinner for my cousin for on for friday but i got to watch the whole fourth quarter at, at the hotel and i was like why the fuck aren't they driving? Like they're just selling for threes, selling for threes. And it's like, drive to the fucking basket. Like, I know that makes me sound like I'm 50, but it's like, it's not working. Like if that were the bucks, Giannis is at least trying to get to the bucket two or three times to see if we can spark something or, you know, have people sag and then create an open three from the corner. It's, yeah. it's, it, but yeah, I, I really do think that Boston loses that. They're going to come back and say, fuck, we missed this. And well, while and I feel that way about the Bucks, I don't, I don't feel like it's over. Like, I don't feel like this is the only chance because I know we have the best player in basketball and we're going to be in the, in the conversation every year. Yeah. And I, going back to Boston, like, you know, I'm kind of getting tired of hearing about them being young. I mean, it's like, I, I, I think it's what they, it's what they are. Um, you know, really the only, 
non-dramatic professional guy that they have is Horford. I mean, Tatum Brown, Tatum's very whiny. Marcus yeah. Smart is, you know, I, I mean, that we don't have enough time to, to, yeah, to well, break him down. Really just a quick and, side tangent. Port, Portnoy bitching about the Jordan Poole flop on Marcus Smart was maybe my favorite thing ever. Like, just like you guys earned this. Yeah. Like, sleep in this fucking bed. This is a bed you made for yourself. Fucking sleep right yeah. now. Jalen Brown is, is pretty quiet, but he very plans. dramatic. Yeah. He, um, he, he's, he's the best of them uh, out of like those three, probably in terms of, you know, which isn't saying much, but in terms of, you know, just keeping his head down and playing. But his thing is, he's like, and Tatum's this way too. Like, they're always, they always got some fucking, you know, injury they have to shake off. It's like, dude, you're just, you're three for 15. It's okay. Like, you're not hurt. You know, everybody can come up with an injury in the, in the first quarter. Um, and there's a lot of that from them. Like, you know, whereas I don't think Golden State does as much of that. Now, Draymond is obviously, you know, the king of being dramatic. But um, he doesn't really flop so much. I mean, he'll mix them in. But it's not every fucking time down the court like Marcus Smart. Um, you know, Draymond's annoying in his own right. But um, the other guys aren't as much. But, sure. You know, uh, with, we'll, without Draymond, that that team has no no personality. It'll be so. interesting. I think I think the Warriors are are winning tomorrow. Um, I just do. I I think that they smell blood in the water. And if they were a team who hadn't won a title, I'd say, ah, Boston has a shot here. But this team, they know when it's closing time. I'd be stunned if we have a game seven on Sat on Sunday. I feel really confident about Golden State tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, we'll uh, we'll see. I, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, Golden State winning two in a row um, makes you feel good, and I, I do feel better that you know they they can close it out rather than you know after you know if God if Boston would have somehow won that game, I mean, oh that yeah, been a disaster. Yeah, it would. Yeah, Game Six would have been would have been just absolutely. Out of this world, it would have been. Well, know, I, I mean, just, it would have been a very, very drunk crowd in Boston, and would have been so miserable. I don't. Uh, know. I mean, I, I, I could see Boston winning. I mean, I could. Um, you know, they're they're going to be at home. Curry was not great in game. And are you? You know, he's kind of banged up. Right, is a foot thing. He hurt his foot, ankle, whatever it was, in game four. And, uh, you know, I don't know. They were able to overcome it at home, but I don't know. Jordan Poole's a little bit of a front runner. You know, he he looks great when things are going good, but he's not necessarily going to pull your team out of it. Um, I don't know. Uh, are you getting another back-to-back good clay games? We'll see. Wiggins, game I six, feel pretty good that he'll get clay, though. Yeah, maybe. That's that's true. I mean, that would be. I'd love to see it. Um, you know, Steve Boston losing the home court would be, wow, <laughs> almost as good as last year. Yeah, or you know, <laughs> just continued Marcus Smart meltdowns, the whole thing. But yeah, it should be interesting. We'll see. The sad, we'll react the sad, to it. The sad part is, though, to, to, to put a bow on it, the sad part is we're we're in our final days with the Bucks as defending champs. Yeah, you bet. That is sad. That's a bummer. But revenge, the revenge tour will then begin after that. And we will uh, yeah, probably talk sure. about the dra- draft a lot next week. Um, sure, we'll talk about other things. Brewers will be knee-deep in a series with the Cardinals. And a whole bunch of other shit. So we'll stay tuned. Oh, yeah. uh, daily daily tap tomorrow. Uh, we'll react to Game Six. We'll see if the, what the Brewers do uh, Thursday, and you know, play our favorite game of properly rated, overrated, or underrated for summer activities, which I've been having fun with on uh, on Fridays. So maybe new segments. Who knows? I've I do have like a TRL retirement home segment that I've been trying to work on but I don't have the Wisconsin component of it yet. So I was going to do a little blend of like just things that I need to like, just put in a retirement home and be like, all right, we're not, 
we're not doing this anymore. My first two are Scott Foster and Horns Down. It's like I'm just fucking sick of both. Like just stop. Like just I just everything. Don't need to have a social post for everything for either of those things. But that's that's a, a workshop idea. So uh, thanks for joining me as always, Mitch. And uh, we'll be we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, and then with you and I next week. Sure. See you. Peace.